right. What's up, man? Good to see you. Good to see you too. Yeah. So you reached out a couple months ago, I think, with a question about Peter Pan stuff. Someone you're coaching, I think, and then reminded me I had this book on my reading list, the Poor Returnist book that I recommended to you. It's been on for years. I didn't read it because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm past this phase of life. It doesn't apply to me. It wasn't so interesting. But then I read it and I actually realized a lot of these like, you know, infinite childs, you know, basically men not growing up things stuck in boy psychology. I was like, wow, actually I have a lot of, uh, a lot of things resonated with me still. And I was like, oh, okay. I have a lot of like uh, opportunities for maturity, let's say. Um, but it's also interesting in the, in total, because obviously you and I, both know a lot of people. We were both per, in, in such a phase. We're, we're kind of like, we're an adult man, but we're stuck thinking like a boy. And I hear this from a lot of guys. So uh, yeah, happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting thing because we spoke uh, two times on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And I realized uh, reading this book from uh, Louise uh, Marie von Franz, uh, as mm -hmm. I would pronounce Say it, very German. Very German. <laughs> um, I realized reading this book um, that many of my problems um, were exactly coming from from this uh, eternal youth syndrome, this pure eternal syndrome, and it was. I'm not. Out of, I'm not out of it for very long because you said um, that you that you thought it's p behind you for mm -hmm. some time now. And I'm definitely also past a, a, a big chunk of, of this syndrome, but like I now realize that, man, I was really deep in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of her case studies, and she's kind of aggressive in her tone. I don't know if it's just, I'm reading obviously an English translation. Um, so maybe that's, I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing, but she seems like, you know, she's very almost angry at, at men who are like this, like they're not men yet. Like she says things that you probably wouldn't say nowadays, you know, if she was speaking to the public. Um, but a lot of it was like, damn, like I feel like she's almost yelling at me because I can see how obviously more when I was younger, but like uh, basically all of her case studies, I felt like applied to some part of my life, like attachment to the mother. Actually, the big thing was um, living in fantasy. Like, like, like living a whole life in my fantasy and then not doing it in real life for me, especially with women when I was younger, like I, if I would, I would become infatuated really fast and then imagine a whole relationship with someone maybe I saw on the bus, you know, just because she said, smiled back to me, like, and you know, it, it's, it's maybe a little cute or maybe a little sad depending on your perspective. But I've also met a lot of guys who are like our age, maybe even in their thirties who, um, kind of live this way, even if they're functional in life and maybe they have a functional dating life and they're, they're doing some sort of work. It's not like they're a total loser. They still kind of live this way where they're kind of not really living their real life. And, and one of, I mean, I, I quoted a few things from the book, um, but one of them was this idea that men who are in this phase, they kind of feel like the life they're living is their provisional life. It's like they haven't started real life yet. Like one day they'll start real life. And I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely have had that perspective and honestly even though i don't like to admit it even now a little bit like there's this maybe some like lurking idea like my real real life is going to start maybe a little bit later mm -hmm. which makes yeah. no sense yeah i i found the term provisional life very very um yeah it, it, it it's 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 a very um a good phrase um to say to to describe the moment of you know having the feeling that you're almost there mm -hmm. but forever mm -hmm. like you have this great idea you know your day will come for sure but you can stay in this state of mind basically until you're an old man yeah yeah and it's really hard like i also thought like how to how to explain guys that are stuck in the face and they can't they the guys that can't really touch reality, touch ground and do something. I think it is almost impossible to um, explain them in a philosophical sense, in a theoretical sense, what to do, because how do you explain with words to become 
you know, to do something in reality. You know what I mean? Because what we're doing now is, is of course, you know, debating or talking about something in theoretical ways, but it's exactly what is not asked to do. Actually, mm -hmm. what we're doing right now is what an, a pure attorney would do, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Would, you would put on theory, you would make theories like, how can I do this? And, you know, I, I talk to these guys and they're all like, they're so, they have great fantasy and they, you know, they are interested in politics and they can even name birds. You know, oh, did you see that bird? This is this eagle that only catches these fish. And, you know, they mm -hmm. know plenty of stuff. But like when it comes to practical things, like what have you done today? It lacks this. Yeah. And how do you, and that's, that's my question. I mean, I don't yeah. know how, because you have much more obviously um, experience with those guys. How do you bring somebody to understand that you should do something practically? Yeah. I don't think I've ever coached someone specifically through this who wasn't ready. Like some, like someone who comes out, work, chooses to work with me. They're, they're, they've probably already like, gotten over the hump enough that they want to do something. Because one of the big things that von Franz kept saying is like, it's not that he doesn't know what to do. Because usually what to do is very simple. Like it's just work hard, choose one thing and then work really hard at it. Like that's just the answer. It. Yeah. And stick with it. And then there's no other solution behind, behind that. But he's like, he doesn't want to give up his fantasy. He actually doesn't want to give up his fantasy. In some cases, he doesn't want to give up his attachment to his mother because that, you know, he wants to hold on to the, the feeling that anything is possible. I have met a lot of people though in this, like they wouldn't, they would never come in for coaching, but like I, I lived in this community house for a while where, uh, you know, there was this guy, he was the, the boyfriend of this girl who was actually friends, but he was kind of awfully off in his own. He was addicted to porn. And a lot of times I tried to talk with him. Like, you know, you have all these ideas. It's, it's exactly, you know, what you're describing it. All of these ideas, he knew he was a, a Reddit addict. So he had all of this information about everything. Like he can make coffee really well. That was probably the only thing he did well in real life. He could make coffee really well. He knew everything about coffee. But when it came to actually doing something, he was like, yeah, but I, I could also do this and I could also do this. And, you know, he had dreams of being an actor, which made no sense because he never even tried. But like he had all these like kind of fantasies. But I could see how he knew what I was saying, that you just pick something and work at it because he was making no money. Also, his girlfriend was paying for his life, but uh, it, it was too enticing. It was like to his fantasy world was the safe place where everything was possible, whereas the real world, it wasn't sure if you would ever have what he wanted. So he just mm. stayed in fantasy world with porn, yes. with Reddit, with video games. There's real resistance. I feel that too. Like I, I, I also talk um, to somebody who has, who's actually also in the situation where his wife pays his life and also the, the rent of his mom back oh, in wow. his home, uh, home country. So she's really like taking care of him and his mom financially. And hmm. whenever I talk to him, about like, yeah, okay, he also wants to become an actor. <laughs> That's also funny. <laughs> like he also talks about that. And and always when I, you know, talk about, you know, but, you know, start maybe just working this simple job, there's resistance. It's really hard to, to get through that. And, um, yeah, I think I, I also wrote you this email some weeks ago because I don't really know anymore what to do because I'm, you know, like you can't force somebody to wake up. Mm -hmm. And you I think you answered to my mail that maybe he has has not had enough pain or has not experienced enough pain to wake up. Yeah. Cause also, I mean, and after that was before I read the book, most of the book, you know, she goes into how he might not be feeling any pain or he might be feeling very little pain because most of his energy or most of his attention is in his fantasy. Is it in his inner world where nobody can go into like, you can't possibly enter his inner world. So it's safe. It can never be left. And like, he has to choose to destroy it. Actually, you know, I mean, there's only two pieces of advice I saw in the book. And I guess there may be the only one was like to work hard, but she, you know, she wrote this line. Uh, I didn't, I didn't write the whole thing down, but it's like such a, a man or such a boy needs the courage to destroy his fantasies with the faith that something better will appear in real life. Wow. And that's it, you know? But I could see how it's hard, right? Like, you know, I, I look it back at like maybe when I was 19 and I would have these fantasy relationships in my head. And it's like very like, uh, you know, weird. But had that been my life still in, at 30, 
where I had such like, it became even better. It's like that inner world became even more interesting. Like maybe I'm even cooler. I'm more of a hero. Maybe I'm an actor in my head and whatever perfect relationship and everything. The longer you stay in it, I can imagine it's even harder to leave. Mm-hmm. Cause then you turn back to the real world and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I'm 30 and I'm broke. Like yeah, now the contrast, it's like, yeah. The contrast would be even higher between your real life and what is your fantasy life in your head. And I also do think that plays into this um, porn and computer game topic of of, of today's of, of men and, and, and today's men, mm-hmm. because um, there are many many different matrices or different you know fantasy worlds where you can escape into. It's easy yeah. to 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 um, to watch porn and, and fantasize about all of these things that are not real. And it's easy to be a superhero in a computer game. And that way you can avoid reality, I think, even easier today. Yeah. Yeah, because back back then, it was basically a guy with an active imagination, you know, to, to have no screens and then live in fantasy world. You're just Actually, she did point out, like, many Puer attorney and many of these infinite boys they are very creative and a lot of them are artists and a lot of them are even a bit accomplished and authors. Yeah. Like the, Mm -hmm. like the little prince. Um, uh, But now the, if these things act, even if you have a shitty imagination, you have these things pulling you into the porn world, video game, the metaverse, you know, um, that'd be there. It actually takes power to not go into that world. Whereas before it was kind of a pathology. You're just like really, really, uh, you know, it's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I think the way culture has developed in the West in particular is encouraged to be youthful. Like it's, you know, you go to university, you go to get your master's, you're still an adolescent in practice until 23, 24, maybe, you know, whereas that would, that would have been ridiculous two generations ago. Like you're, you have to be a man at 17 or 18 or something. Now it's like kind of weird to act to, you know, if you have a child at 19, it's seen as like a mistake, like, oh, you missed out your youth by having a kid so young or something like that. Um, So yeah, there's this weird, uh, there's all of these forces actually actively making men stay in boy mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would like to maybe talk a little bit more about the, the point when you leave the fantasy behind and you decide okay now it's it's i i i i i'm i'm not that pure eternist anymore i'm not this youth anymore because i think there there is a, a transition into a healthy balance mm-hmm. and but um von franz also described a moment where you stay a pure eternist but you become cynical because you basically bury everything. You bury your fantasy and your dreams mm-hmm. and you become a pet dog to a woman. So that can also happen. I think that you are still a pure eternist. But I also, something resonated with me to the other side that is basically, you know, when you see that your dreams are not working out and you become basically depressed and you marry, you go into the prison. Of, mm-hmm. of a woman, you know, of a demanding or controlling woman that resembles basically a strong mom with a strong animus. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's also the side of the cynical puritanus that becomes so disillusioned that he basically goes completely into passivity and says like, okay, fuck my imagine, you know, like I, these dreams, you know, that these are just for young people and, and, um, and, and, you know, also the, these, this dream about the ideal woman, there is no ideal woman and, and, and actually women are flawed. So like basically it goes from the Madonna, you know, I, I think I also wrote down the pure turners sometimes may, might even equal the red pill guy because yeah, first, <laughs> first he has this romantic exaggerated view on the holy woman. But then he finds out later after some painful experiences that this holy woman does not exist because they're all sexual and women are all flawed in in a way. And so he becomes cynical about that. And this unrealistic view of the love partner becomes uber realistic. So Mm -hmm. too much on the other side. And so he just stays home and, you know, he's like, you know, frustrated and, but still, and that's what I, what I want to point out. 
he's still not in, in the middle ground. He's still not sane in that way. He's just on the other side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's because if he wasn't so attached, because a lot of the red pill stuff where it's like really angry and resentful at women, you're like, you can see like you're only this angry because you thought the opposite, right? Like if you, if you were, if you didn't put women on pedestals, you wouldn't be so angry at them because you put them on a pedestal. Like yeah. if you just had that healthy, you know, relationship from the beginning. Um, yeah. So how do you kill your dreams for a while, <laughs> but, in, but then, you know, still not lose them for good. I think because also she said that there is a way and, and, and in the book, she wrote that there is a way to, first of all, admit that you're very ordinary guy and that your dreams yeah. are maybe a bit childish, but still through admitting that it does not mean that you have to give up creativity and your, mm -hmm. your anima side and your, your, whatever you live, this, 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 Yeah. Fantasy for good. Yeah, right? she she was saying a, a case study where I mean, kind of a case study. Back then, you didn't have to really cite anything, but she was saying like there's these two men who were in this situation. When one went in for Freudian therapy and one went in for Jungian therapy, and the Freudian one was cured faster, but then he basically because they basically killed his inner child. Like he had no creativity. He just became a factory worker and like lived the miserable life. But he didn't have he didn't have fantasy at all anymore. Whereas the Jungian thing was harder because they're trying to integrate. The, it, it just takes longer. They're trying to integrate the infinite child, like having him grow up and not be separate. Because like another thing they pointed out was how men in this, in this mode, they usually have a very naive, angelic, childish side, but they also tend to have a brutal side. Like they might, they might uh, idolize or like treat their girlfriend like their mother, but then they'll cheat on her behind her back. Like they'll, or they'll do something violent outside of it because like, you know, these parts, instead of being one whole where he's a little, he's like strong, but also sweet, he's like super sweet to the point he's like a little boy. And then he gets out all his violence and aggression somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also how she describes that uh, those guys become very cold from one second to, to the other when they, when mm -hmm. they leave the, the girls that they are with, because they realize Okay, she's she's not the the holy Madonna that I was searching, and and so they basically they they hop on to the next relationship. They are just they're just gone, and and very often they don't give any um, explanations for that. They're just they mm -hmm. they it's like they gave so much, and they were so much gentlemen, and they were like the best boyfriend ever, and you know bought flowers and were sweeter, and that's the thing, sweeter than any other guy, more gentleman than any other guy, more understanding than any other guy, like almost. Like, hey, I'm one of your female friends, but I'm still your boyfriend. You know, like, what can mm -hmm. be better? And then from one second to the other, they say, like, fuck it. I invested so much into this girl. She's not worth it. I move on. And then they're gone. And I think that's, yeah, that's um, a result of, of giving too much before. Yeah, which kind of applies to everyone in every situation, right? Like, if you compromise yourself some part of you feels like you deserve it in return. Like if you mm -hmm. give more than needed or more than asked or more than you wanted, and then you just, you're more quick to like be fuck you to the person because you mm -hmm. felt like you didn't, uh, you know, you didn't get it reciprocated, like this unfair yeah. standard, you know, you become resentful. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a covert contract in, in, nice, yeah. in no more Mr. Nice guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause uh, there's, I think there's different types or different, uh, levels of functionality with this type of person, right? I mean, there's the incels who just complain or live in fantasy, the porn addicts, but then she speaks about Don Juanism. And then, you know, like what you just mentioned, like there's the Puritanist who is actually really good with women. Like he's, mm -hmm. cause he has that create, create creative charisma. Maybe his fantasies can like, you know, he's yeah, very charismatic because of it. Women are drawn to him. He turns them into their mother because many women have the opposite of that where they want to, be a mother to a, a boy, even though they don't really want to, you know, their, their own complex. Um, and it made me think of actually a friend brought this up on how nowadays, if you look at some of the men that are popular uh, online, like Dan Bilzerian, Andrew Tate, like these guys who are rich and they get to do anything. They basically live the fantasy life like that most adolescents dream of. They have a different woman every week or something like that kind of thing. 
And my friend was pointing out how, you know, 50, 60 years ago, you would never see this kind of person who like is glamorizing the playboy life. I think, you know, in the 1960s, even though let's say the fifties, people would see, oh, he's acting like a boy. He's 40 years old. He's still sleeping with a different woman every weekend. Whereas now it's actually kind of normalized. In fact, there are probably plenty of men of all ages who wish, of course, wish they were Dan Bilzerian. Because like what 15 year old boy doesn't want to like live on yachts and planes and Mm -hmm. have like 20 women a weekend or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of hyperbolic fantasy. I'm curious what you think about that. Because I actually didn't have an answer for him in that like, yeah, now it's kind of, it's uh, almost a noble goal to live this your whole life. Mm -hmm. I think it's also compensation. It's, I, 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 my first idea is that, um, there are no role models for the in-between ways. Like, like this fatherly archetype, someone who is strong, but also, um, has integrity. If you search as a nice guy or somebody with mother, like a, like a good, good mother son, if you search for integrity, the only thing that you can imagine it is through hyper dominance. So it's like if you lack it so much and you have not even achieved a little bit in reality, what you need is the extreme. I, I can just say this from my own experience. Living so much in demand of, of freedom, of, of, um, agency. Agency was the thing that I was lacking because I was so much a slave to a woman as a nice guy, as a, as someone with a mother complex that my dreams were like really aggressive. Like also my sexual fantasies were really over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's why if you're weak, you would consume hardcore porn just to feel that kind of dominance like and you correction. feel it. yes exactly and 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 i think that's that's why um you watch superhero movies as well to because you dream of this superpower and that's why you watch andrew tate and dan bazarian because you know you have not even you know yeah you need the the extreme and then when you touch reality and you've had your experiences and you learn how real life works then you are you're fed you're you're good with less you don't need hardcore sex hardcore porn to be a billionaire who wants to be a billionaire like this is like you know if you have money and you can support yourself and maybe also your family and if you have experienced that, you would not dream of becoming a billionaire. You only, in my opinion, you become, dream of becoming a billionaire when you're really down, when you have no money, when you're broke. Then you dream, ah, if I would have a private jet now, or one day yeah. I will have it. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on this because, you know, all the spiritualist people I know who like read the law of attraction books and they're like, they declare to everyone, I'm going to make $10 million this year. They always are super broke. Right. I've never heard someone who earns well say, I'm going to make $10 million this year. Like, you know, you know, if you're making a hundred K, you're like, maybe I'll make 200 K this year. It's like, it's like, a, it's more of a reasonable goal. Whereas if you're super broke, you have to overcompensate. Or if you're super lonely, you have to imagine having a harem. Um, I say all of this. And then honestly, maybe this is my own Puerto Turnus in my own head is also saying like, but yeah, well, why not strive to, to be a billionaire? Why not strive to have the harem? It's like, uh, in many ways, it makes sense to some part of my mind still. And I think, and I'm also speaking to like, if I was speaking to a slightly younger man, I could see him saying that to me and I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, that is, that is uh, reasonable. And I do think there's maybe a phase in life where those delusions are actually useful. Like maybe when you are literally 15, it's a totally useful thing to think you're gonna be world champion everything. But then at some point, of course, you have to mature, but the, the question is at what point do you crash down to reality? Mm-hmm. Right. Is, I mean, cause if a 15 year old who says, Oh, I'm just going to work a regular job and have like an average woman, like that's kind of sad, right? Yeah, but that's a, a 50 year old saying I'm going to date supermodels and be a famous 
musician and he's never done any of the, that stuff. That's also sad. Mm-hmm. Like somewhere in between is where the sweet spot is. Well, there is an, exactly there. There is a time for the pure eternus for being a youth because when you're young, it's it's absolutely normal to fantasize because you're nothing but potential. You are potential. You could become everything. You're young. You dream of having many women. Um, there is a time for that, and it is not something bad at that time. The reason, or because we have Andrew Tate being so famous and so demanded, and also Jordan Peterson, for example, just says or tells me, and they're totally different, but just tells me that there is a huge span in the generate in our generation, like from young also to older men who need that. For the young, I would say dream of becoming a superhero for kids. Dream of becoming a superhero. For teenagers, dream of becoming Andrew Tate, having a harem. All fine. You know, but if and I think I also heard that nowadays it is not an exception, but the pure turners and the mother complex thingy and the nice guy thingy is actually the is actually a major yeah. thing. So this is culture. Our culture is like that at the moment. And that's why extreme guys are also so famous and not the yeah. 50s, 60s gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and the reality is of all the hundreds of millions of men who strive to be Dan Bilzerian, even if they all try their best and, and really that's what they're going for, most won't. Most won't achieve that which is maybe it sounds really bad to say, especially when in personal development, you make more money by saying, no, no, everybody can do everything because that's how you can charge people, you know, whatever. Um, but it is the reality, you mm-hmm. know, and it's not, it's not necessarily even, even if you achieve it, it may or may not be what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, something you said earlier reminded me of this, where she spoke about um, the female version of this, where, you know, and obviously she was writing this, I think in the forties. So, there were kind of more defined roles as far as men and women's work. But she was saying how um, for men it's work, but for women who are in this kind of infinite girl mode where they're sleeping with a different man all the time, they don't want to be held down. They don't want to get a job. A lot of them become prostitutes, at least back then. And I think even now, if you look at OnlyFans girls or Instagram models, maybe it's the same thing. Um, For the woman, it's when you have a child, you have a child. Mm -hmm. It's like, it forces you to reality. I mean, it is a lot of work obviously to have a child. Where, you know, when you're speaking about role models, it makes me think like, well, there are role models for this. They all are men with, they're all men with beards with kids. <laughs> if I'm just thinking about what's on my Instagram feed, right? They're not promising sleeping with a bunch of women. They are saying make a lot of money, but make a lot of money for your family. A lot of the ones, at least the ones that I follow are like, make enough money, buy some land, have a farm, raise your kids. Like that's kind of the message, which is at least I guess what I'm striving for at this stage in my life. But and there's probably other answers, but that seems to be the big one. I mean, that is why we have the adolescent phase of dream of anything biologically is so that we make the most money possible, get the best mate, and then have the best children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, saw, I think that um, having a child can, I, I don't know because I'm not a father like you, but I think it can ground you into reality, definitely, uh, men and women. Um. I'm just not sure what happens if you're immature as a man and you're you're not past that phase, but you just happen to have a child. If that grounds you or if that basically makes you separate reality from fantasy even more. Yeah, well, I think of or I think of the challenge I've had, which I wasn't expecting because I thought I was like fully mature in many ways until I had a kid. And then it showed me, okay, there's points of growth, of course. And I look at guys who seem to have had a really hard time adjusting to fatherhood. You can, in general, say that it's because of this, right? They're still in boy psychology. They realize that they have to give up certain things. And even for myself, right? This has been a little bit, I didn't even realize that I had certain fantasies, small ones or sometimes big ones. And I was like, oh, shit, I have a kid now. Like, I need to drop some of these things, right? Like, I'm not going to get discovered by such and such. Like, I, I have to... I, you know, this, the pain for me was whatever distance I had to crash to reality. And I would imagine there's many men 
where the distance is this far, this far, and the crash is so much more painful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. <laughs> Good. I, I, something came to my mind um, when it comes to, um, to meeting reality, because we were talking about fatherhood and how a child makes you give up some, some things. And I was thinking of all of these influencers that tell you in a video, wake up, wake up. You can go for what you want. Why do you sit there? You know, wake up and dream big and, and achieve things. And I was also thinking that maybe sometimes it would be good to have someone to say, like, wake up and give up your dreams, you know, like to a certain amount, like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, you know, not, not to become cynical again, like it is not about leaving your dreams behind in your ideals, but to have some influence, it would be refreshing to have somebody to say like, wake up, you know, don't try to be an actor for the 30th time, but you know, like maybe it would be good to infringe yourself. Like there is a time to open up. I think you often say this in your podcast, you know, like, like as a as young person, you open up, but then it's also good to say like, okay, I can't forever do everything that I want. And it is contra, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, because we are so much imprinted by the, 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 the consumption culture and, 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 and TV and advertisement that everything is always available if you just want it. It is not like that. I'm sorry to say that it's not like that. It's not like you can reach everything and to tell people that they can is just for me fucking up their brains. Yeah. You know, like this is, of course, it should not discourage people. But like to sell the American dream to everyone, like it's not not everybody's, yeah. And but you know, like, yeah. and to stay in between there is like really, really, really hard. I think. Yeah, because even like you know, on the macro level, I'm remembering this. I think it's from Sapiens, where consumerism has tried to destroy family and like those types of communities because if we're isolated, we buy more things. Like we have to buy our needs, and if we. But that also means we have to feel like we still have exploring to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, kind of t- tying in the child thing is like a lot of people I know who live in really big cities where it's so expensive that even if both people have good incomes, it's still very hard to have a child because the rent is so high, whatever. Almost uh, by default, they're stuck in adolescent mode, right? They make all this money. They save up enough that they can spend more money uh, in the city, which is like, you know, being in a city is really great when you're young because there's all these things you want to do. But then they never get, they never even get the chance. Like economically, they never get the chance to grow up because they don't have enough money to then have a child and they feel like they need, they're like choosing to be in the city so they can do more, more things, go to different shows, try different things. Whereas, yeah, it's like, because the thing is, you know, maybe to modify this so that people aren't, aren't upset. <laughs> about this idea of like your dreams must die. It's like, it's that you're giving up plurality. You're giving up this idea that, you know, there's this infinite, like, you know, you actually literally cannot do everything. You can do one or maybe a couple things really well. And you have to focus your energy on that because you literally can't do every career, which is actually another thing that I, I resonated with in the book. It's like, I still think about all the life paths I didn't take. I still, they're not like, you know, consuming fantasies, but you know, if I'm on the toilet or in the shower, I might think, oh yeah, what would it been like if I moved there instead of here? Where, what would it have been like if I took this job instead? And honestly, it is a little bit of an addiction in me that, that this is my poor return is still, I still mm-hmm. think about all of these things, which I, you know, I realize I'm not going to become a chef. I'm not going to become a whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I, I absolutely get that. I have you know, like, because I was saying that kill your dreams. I think this is a bit harsh, but but just I just want to make my point. I can just tell you that it, from my own experience, I was always dreaming of becoming a rock star with my music. Like, this is also a typical thing. And um, I was actually um, dreaming of becoming a famous musician. And then basically the whole project crashed and... I had to realize that it will not work out. And today, basically what happened is after I realized that I will probably not become a world famous musician, I started making music again 
but being relaxed and accepting that I'm just an ordinary musician or somebody that likes to make music. And fun fact, my music is heard by more people than ever before. And I just, and this is for me success. It is hard like to aim for, to appreciate success after basically you did not want it so much anymore. And this is what everybody tells, like if you leave it and if you accept kind of that you are ordinary and that it's okay to be ordinary, like in the sense of you're a human, you're not like a superhero and whatever, it comes back to you. I'm, I'm really, really sure that more qualities would open and more, and, and not maybe more possibilities, but what you do will become deeper in a mm. way. Yeah, if it, I'm really convinced of that. It's like kill your dream and so it will come back to you. It's not like you will forever then just sit in an office and do boring shit. Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah, or give up the fantasies so something better can appear even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like this is the lesson every time I take mushrooms. It's like stop trying. Actually, I've had I've had like intense mushroom trips where I felt like I was getting the message, stop trying to be someone special. And just get a regular job mm -hmm. and like something kind of like so mm -hmm. peaceful like just go work in a factory or something and you'll be at peace right as opposed to i mean at this time in my life i, I definitely had you know peter pan stuff where i was dreaming about becoming something big and special and culturally significant as opposed to yeah it's pretty good just just have a regular job you know there's a lot of fulfillment in that and like you know again from mushroom consciousness so to speak when you feel like you're connected to the universe and you're like this one blip of life and this infinite time and space, you know, you could go into trippy, into trippy mindset here, but there's something so beautiful about that. that who says you needed to be, you know, president of the world or something. Mm -hmm. And there's so much peace in that. There's so much peace in the realization that you're just another human. And, and actually I think that's, I, I, I I'm not as, you know, like, this Marie Louise von Franz is is said it very very nicely. She said by accepting that you are part of the collective, that you're part of the human race, and that you're just another human that can be ordinary. By accepting that you can be ordinary and that it's okay to be ordinary, only through that you become special. I don't really I, I'm not able to explain exactly how she came to that thought but it resonated with mm -hmm. me there's peace in that yeah you know something I've said on the podcast a lot is one and this is maybe even coming from my Peter Pan where one of the things I love about coaching guys is just learning like another person's life like it's an ordinary person's life but just like being able to play out oh this is the, what this guy is going through and this is his story like it's so interesting to me like i find it more interesting than most television but you know if, if every man could see that every person could like look at his own life my ordinary life is so interesting to somebody to have someone watch me 24 hours like or watch me watch my emotional arc through my problems like that in itself is like the greatest drama and it reminds me of the alan watts quote um he has this bit where he's speaking about how imagine you could dream anything every night, like the perfect life. At some point you would get bored with the perfect life and you would want to dream some other life just for, you know, and then eventually you would dream your life if you did this every night infinitely. Mm -hmm. And that's really cool. Um, another thing I just was reminded of, uh, I did actually do a mushroom ceremony recently and I haven't taken mushrooms in a long time, but I was invited by this, uh, by this retreat center. And one of the things that I heard during the ceremony was, real life starts now. I didn't even really know what it meant, but it was like this idea of like, oh, everything I've done the past 35 years was just, maybe that was my provisional life, but like now real life starts. So I don't have to think about what happened there. It was just preparing me for the next 35 years. And I was like, oh, there's so much peace in that. Whatever normal, boring shit I do the next couple of decades, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I think it's um, it's cheesy, but it's never really too late to start life in reality and, 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 and be content with just being there and being real and doing ordinary stuff. And yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. This morning, because I was thinking about this, I, I was remembering how right when I finished high school, I was thinking, man, I wish I could do high school over. Cause like, I know more things I'm more confident, blah, blah. And then after college I was like, oh, I wish I could do college over. Cause like, I know more, blah, blah. and 
I even then knew oh, I could I could do this forever. Like every year I could think, oh, I wish I could do that year over because now I knew more things. Or I could pretend that I'm coming back now and living my life now and like really living it. Right. And, you know, this is obviously a lot. Maybe this is all poor eternist like mental masturbation, but there's some, you know, you can find you can use it for peace, essentially, rather than regret or fantasy. Yeah. So, yeah, one thing that I thought was interesting in the book also was that have you read The Little Prince before? No, I haven't. I tried to read it, but it sounded so childish to me. And I did not know why. I, I, I read it before because I started reading her book and I saw that she was analyzing that book. So I started with The Little Prince and it was too childish for me. It did not resonate with me. But then, hmm. of course, in the book of Louise van Franz, uh, Louise van Franz, then I got to know the content of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now so I read it a while ago because I've heard of it so, so often It's like one of the most popular books. I didn't understand why people liked it because at first it's like a children's book and then the kid dies at the end. I was like, wait, this isn't a children's book. Like, I didn't understand the point of it until obviously her analysis pointed out the symbolism. And now I, now I think it's like very beautiful. Um, but, uh, in, in, uh, Von Franz, Von Franz was analyzing the author of the little prince as like kind of the archetypal infinite boy. And how his, because he was, uh, he was very creative, obviously, but because he didn't integrate certain things that showed up in his art, like, you know, the little prince, if anyone doesn't know the story, it's a fantasy story. The little prince lives on this planet where there's these uh, trees that are overtaking the planet that's supposed to represent his mother, like consuming, consuming his like mental space. And there's a rose there that represents his love who also abuses him. So he comes to earth, like basically all of these things are symbolizing something and the little prince represents his inner child that he doesn't want to allow to grow up. And the little prince even commits suicide at the end because according to Von Franz's interpretation, someone in, in Peter Pan syndrome is so like, uh, at some point becomes so disillusioned. Eventually they, like, they have to realize, okay, my fantasies aren't real. Life isn't worth living. And then they have some sort of death wish. Mm -hmm. And she even, uh, she even pointed to how a lot of uh, poor attorney, they end up dying in like car crashes or plane crashes, or they, they, they do something extreme where they kind of have a death wish because they don't want, they don't want to be trapped by life. So they almost find a way to die, mm -hmm. to be relieved of real life. That's why also she said in the book that uh, as a Jungian uh, therapist, you should be careful bringing um, somebody with um, this this complex into reality because when they crash too harshly into reality and realize too harshly that they basically live in a fantasy life, they become suicidal. And that's now I feel bad that I was just talking before with wake up, you know, like give up your dreams and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's what she said. That's exactly, you know, that that they there is a tendency um, and, and nostal a nostalgia about death. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's like that separation we we're speaking about like the longer the richer you made your inner world and the shittier you or the more you allowed your outer world to atrophy the more painful it's going to mm -hmm. be you know like to, to give up your fantasies at 15 is normal to give up your fantasies at 40 well it's like wow and then you have to come to terms with the fact that you missed out on 30 years of mm -hmm. life perhaps. and i can tell you also something from my own experience talking about this that that the um, this nostalgia about about death that is also you know played was also talked about in 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 the book that's something that that she said that the author said is that basically by living in a fantasy for too long makes you dead in a way because you don't really exist in reality you avoid reality and like playing video games, porn, you know, escaping reality is kind of not really existing in real life. And I kind of, I mean, I was not, I was never suicidal in a way, but I resonated with the not feeling alive part because when I was so stuck in my nice guy complex and I was, you know, chasing the idea of the ideal woman, of the ideal job. One day, my day will come. One day, my day will come. One day, you know, every day waking up and, 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 and trying to numbing my, to numb myself out with porn and, and Reddit and stuff and reading abstract books and you mind masturbation, whatever it is. 
is a way of avoiding real life. It is like that. And that is what also gives you depression. Depression is not feeling that, like you have control over your life. It's like somehow, you know, sleeping long, being very tired, you know, trying to, to, to distract yourself from realizing that you're not living, actually. But you, something in yourself knows that you are not living a life. Or that you're not, that you're not in reality and not being in reality is really a shit place to be in. I was there. It's not nice. Yeah. And, yeah, and feeling like nothing you do matters, mm -hmm. which of course just, you know, increases the incentive to go back to fantasy world. You know, I, I was seeing this thing uh, recently, it must've been on Instagram or something about how uh, men are no longer rewarded for working with your hands. Like there was a time not long ago where that was the best way to make money. It was like to be a farmer, a construction worker, a welder. Now it's like if someone doesn't want to get an intellectual job, someone doesn't want to get an office job, they kind of look down on it, especially if they have the opportunity to. Whereas if you build things with your hands, like I don't know, maybe there are construction workers who also have this. I'm sure there are. But like it's almost a way to fight against it, like to have made something physical. It kind of almost negates the belief that what you're doing doesn't make a difference or that your physical life doesn't matter. And maybe this, I mean, honestly, I've never worked a, like a really labor, labor job. I was a taxi driver. That's the closest thing I've done. But um, I could imagine maybe if you're like pouring cement or something where it's like anyone can do it or like it's like not your own work, maybe you, you would al also feel meaningless. But I would imagine like a carpenter who makes his own stuff couldn't possibly feel. I have the best story you gave me the best, uh, the best uh, introduction to my story because I, I, you know, I'm a radio host here in Germany, and we just had last week, we just had a week in which we were interviewing everyday people with uh, that do manual works. Hmm. So we had men that were carpenters, construction workers, you know, all these like all these different jobs that you can learn, you know, and you build houses basically. And we always wondered, me and my my co-host. Like these guys were all happy. Like this is just my my personal story, my experience. I we had five days each day. There were different guys, construction workers, whatever, and they were all telling us um, that they were happy to you know in the end of the day to see what they have done, to see that they constructed a house where people can live in basically, and they know what they did. They were not so much in their minds. You could really see that they they were not stupid or something. But they were not so much like overthinkers. They were really like also in the way they were giving the, and they were answering in the interviews. They were straightforward. Um, they were not hesitant. They were just really real. And that's what I said. This is exactly of the, the thing that I was not when I was in a bad place. They are, they are so real and they were so happy, but they work long. They work hard shifts and they don't get paid as well as I do, but I, and, Man, I was envying them a bit. They were really like, yeah. But they were fit also. Like they were physical. They don't go to the gym. They were they were just fit and balanced. They seemed really balanced to me. Yeah, this is something uh, I've mentioned this a few times on my podcast too. When I was taking improv classes, one of my teachers said that uh, athletes always speak better than professors because athletes will just say what happened? Like, Oh, I hit the ball here. I went this, like, there's nothing, they don't say, um, they don't say, ah, uh, they don't go, uh, because they don't have like, everything so concrete. Whereas a professor, even the smarter, even Jordan Peterson, who speaks so well, you notice when he speaks, he has to go, uh, and the really, and you know, mm -hmm. like, there's always a pause because he's constructing something in his mind. That's not real. As opposed to the simplicity of like, yeah, I built that. Cause actually I, I know a couple, I mean, I know I have one good friend who works, has worked on and off in construction he, he doesn't think deep thoughts or he doesn't speak about deep things. I shouldn't say, I don't know what he thinks about, but his favorite thing, which is even kind of annoying if you go drinking with him is he loves to explain how things are made. Like he loves explaining like exactly how the bricks get laid and the mortar. And I'm like, bro, I don't care, but he loves talking about these like things and, and he gets so much joy. And, and I can see he's so at peace that it, it yeah, it's envious. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, so this may actually, because, right, you know, you asked the question, what do you actually do? We said kind of the simple answer that Jung said, like hard work. You know, I was thinking also, like, uh, recently I was speaking to a client. He's not exactly in this mode, 
but he's in a position where he's made good money. He's still relatively young. He doesn't have to do anything, right? As opposed to most 25-year-olds who have to figure out how to make money. Like he's he's kind of in this open plane and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he's getting kind of not depressed, but he's like, he feels meaninglessness because he doesn't have anything he has to do. And I said, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but rather than think about a bunch of things, how about you get really fit? Cause he's not in good shape. And it's like, just spend the next like six months getting really jacked. I like, pick a fitness goal, whether it's to have a yoga body or a gymnastics or get like a power lifter body and just like do that because that'll be better than any meditation you're going to do, which I feel strongly about. And Maybe for someone who does need money and doesn't have the luxury of that, maybe getting a construction shop is the best thing. Yeah, I think that's great advice, actually. And I also heard advice that is, I don't know from where, but it was kind of similar to what you told this guy. If you don't know what to do in reality, in real life, start with the next best thing. That's it. Don't think about options. Start with the ne next best thing. Yeah. Yes, basically get get away from everything and just pick, yeah. focus your energy. There's on one always thing. a field in front of you that you can work. You know, in the in the farmers in the farming sense, there is always a, a little piece in front of you. You don't have to travel the whole country and travel the whole world to find it. Just look to your feet. There's always the next field in front of you. Maybe it's not special. Maybe it's a field like every other field, but it's still better than fantasy. Yeah. Is that quote from somewhere? There's always a field. Yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe it's even from from uh, from Jung or from France. I, I, I recently okay. read it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. That's a good quote. Uh, yeah. So what do you think about someone? I, you know, because you were speaking, this was all this all came about because you were speaking with someone in this mode. I'm actually curious how the conversations went, if, if it, it went anywhere with them. But to all the objections that one would have, you know, what would you say to someone of like, what, what fields, like, what should I do? Well, the guy was, or did this come up with this individual? Yeah. 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 The, the guy uh, um, I was talking about, um, he's uh, working in the supermarket right now. Um, he's overqualified because he has a university degree, but he's gave up now, you know, saying, you know, that he needs to do this or that something special, but he just now starts in the supermarket And I'm curious how this will work out because this is the that was the next field, so to speak, where he could work on. And oh, so he went from unemployed to supermarket yeah. job. He stayed unemployed as a high qualified guy, being 31 now, with a university engineering degree. And the guy and the people in the supermarket told told him like, "What are you doing here? Like, you're an engineer." But he he has he had such hard time to translate his um, the, the degree from his home country to Germany, you know, because there's a, you need to sometimes translate your mm -hmm. degrees into the German system. And it annoyed him so much. Mm -hmm. And it was so much pain to just, you know, go to university and talk to some people to make his degree legal here in Germany, that he stayed home now for a long time, not doing anything. And so now he just mm -hmm. decided to work in a supermarket. And I was really proud of him. I told him that, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I know I found, sound like his father, like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't want to sound, you know, like I have unders, understood everything and stuff. But, you know, like in, in, in a situation, I found it really cool that, that he's now working in a supermarket. Just to start. Yeah. yeah you know. I'm curious to see how that goes because, like, you know, I, I look back at, I had a phase of kind of being not sure what to do, definitely in, in Peter Pan-ish mode. Uh, working like jobs like uh, restaurant jobs, uh, taxi was actually the most fun. Um, but at some point I noticed I felt this is too meaningless. Like I, I was like, it actually got annoying at some point. Like I, I drove the, ta the taxi was the best one, but it, I only was able to do it nine months. To be fair, while driving the taxi, it was like, I need to get my coaching business going. And that's kind of when I took it seriously. So maybe I needed that, that life of simplicity uh, for a period before I actually started taking action. Um, but I also remember like being like, fuck, like, you know, I, I'm overqualified to do this. Like, why am I yeah, doing Yeah, but this? if you're frustrated with reality, that's already a start. So it's exactly that. So I think like, it's, it's, it's better to be frustrated by a real shitty job in real life, because this makes you go 
somewhere else and 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 maybe you know go go beyond that and i think yeah it will probably annoy him at some point probably yeah and this might actually increase the pain that we were talking about earlier in the exactly. email like he needs this to feel the pain of reality to get the next thing you know i i do want to touch on the the, the cultural the cultural trouble because now i'm thinking about it like and i've had these uh thoughts like you know i've been learning to ride horses recently and uh I became friends with my car mechanic and I'm like, man, it would be really cool to know how to like fix cars. And I was thinking like, oh yeah, when I, when I'm really doing well and I can only work like one day a week, I want to learn how to, I, maybe I'll apprentice as a mechanic apprentice and learn how to fix cars. And that'd be really fun. And then I was thinking like, it is too bad that a mechanic or a car mechanic, or at least if I were to take that route, I wouldn't be able to make enough money. Mm -hmm. Because actually, that'd be very fulfilling for me to learn how to fix cars and fix cars. But I, I don't think I would make enough to support my family now, so I can't do that until later. Right? It's almost like I have to earn money to do this job, which earns less money. Yeah, sad. I mean, mechanics can make a lot of money, but they yeah. can. Yeah, yeah. It's sad that you that you basically have to make money before you can go into a job that pays less. But that, that's that might be cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think about like honestly, my big goal now, my my financial goal, if you will, is to buy land and raise horses because it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, you know, throughout history, this would probably be the most available job. I mean, it depends where you live, but like to work on a farm would be like the most available job ever. And now I need to be, you have, it's like in the hobby farming world, you have to be really rich to have a, to basically farm. Mm -hmm. Like you need, you need to make a lot of money in the matrix, so to speak, to then detach from it and have a simple life. Yeah. Like, you know, in, you know, not to get conspiratorial, but like it really does kind of feel like, you know, the whole world is trying to stop people from simple living. I had like, you don't even have the option. I had exactly the same same thought. And you see it also what what influencers on Instagram and on social media, you know, sell you when they're really rich and when they're really, really um, uh, successful, they buy a house in jungle or, you know, or they, you know, yeah. they have they have they have this this far away hidden place with their family you know their wife and the kids and you know they chop wood the whole day because they don't need to earn money yeah. so they can chop wood <laughs> yeah. and you know go back to nature <laughs> this is so funny yeah yeah it's too, it's too bad it's, it's not easy i mean the same thing with children right like the people who have the excuse like i can't afford to have kids it's like it's a, it shouldn't cost money right like yeah. maybe you give up a more more uh fight you know a more rewarding career to have kids, but to have to make a lot of money to have kids is so backwards. Yeah. And to bring this back to the whole topic of Peter Pan syndrome and internal youth is basically what you said quite in the beginning that our world makes it easier to be in child mentality than to be an adult and to be close to our nature. So it's harder these days mm -hmm. to be natural than to stay, yeah, in an artificial world, you know, playing video games and being in your fantasy. It's, it's, totally. it's, it's really perverse if you think about that. And I have a different, you know, but this is a completely different topic. I think that is also a reason, in, at least in my opinion, why mental health problems are so much on the rise and depression. Because this totally. alienation from our nature is really not good for us. And we, we don't see it. Like we now, of course, talk about it and we kind of try to get a, in, in, in a, gl a glimpse from a meta perspective. But I think that we are all really, really in this whole process of being alienated from our nature, from being in communities, from being, um, in reality, in touch with things working manual jobs it's all coming together it's all playing together and this is not only for men but also for women and for everybody it's it's not good it's not good yeah i mean like women are so highly incentivized to not do the most fulfilling exactly. thing which is make yeah, babies exactly right the most important thing too right it's so unrewarded yeah like it's such a huge cost yeah. um yeah yeah and like also yeah anyway maybe last thought on this is like to make really big money, let's say in tech, you almost have to create something that it really doesn't need to exist. Like if you think about the really, th like the things that have made so much money, like social media, like 
they never needed to exist. Mm -hmm. Whereas things that need to exist, like physical things like a chair, are never going to make you enough money. Mm -hmm. Like you have to, but you have to, you have to become abstract. You have to make things that are abstract. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. Which is why I think a lot of people are probably turning. I mean, there's like more life coaches than ever because of the fact that people are searching for meaning, but to create something scalable, you still have to make something abstract, like a podcast episode. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> crazy. And on the podcast episode, you tell people again to shut down the podcast and go into real life again. Exactly. Yeah. That was the thing, you know, and that's why I deleted my YouTube a couple of years ago. Cause I was like, man, I'm being such a hypocrite, uh, being on making visual media and telling people it was like, it was the joke at the end of my podcast. Like, get off of your phone right but you have you know anyway it's a good way i think this is a good uh, compromise i i appreciate like it's it's good that you do your work i really appreciate it and it's it's a good compromise to mm -hmm. to listen it, at least uh, to some podcast that tells you to to sh shut off your phone <laughs> again not not listen to too much yeah. stuff yeah cool man great uh yeah well it's great catching up i'm glad you i'm glad you emailed me about this Uh, any other thoughts or what, what are you up to? Did you end up starting that men's group? Um, no, I did not because no, 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 because, um, you know, it, it was just, was not the right thing. So I really start like one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I think for me right now, this, this just feels better. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. Well, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.